0: All right, well, let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Heavenly Father, Lord, we just thank you for this time together, Lord. Thank you for just a wonderful time of worship and song. Lord, now as we open your word, Lord, we just pray that you would speak to us today, Lord. Lord, these people didn't come here to hear me. They came here to hear a word from you. So, Lord God, I pray that you would get me out of the way. And that you would speak through me today. Lord, let us hear your word. Teach us. Give us wisdom through your word, I pray. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Amen. If you have your Bibles with you this morning, turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, continuing our study there. Countercultural, learning how to live Countercultural. We're not to, to live like the culture around us, but we're to live different than the rest of the culture. And that's one of the big points that Paul is making here in this book of First Corinthians, this letter <laughs> that he's writing to this church in Corinth. Today we're looking at 1 Corinthians chapter three verses 1, uh, 18, excuse me, 18 through23, uh, looking at true wisdom. Now wisdom, true wisdom, is priceless. True wisdom is absolutely priceless. Proverbs 3 13 through 14 says blessed is the one who finds wisdom and the one who gets understanding for the gain from her is better than uh, better than gain from silver and her profit better than gold. Wisdom is absolutely priceless. Now, what is Wisdom. In the past, we've talked about wisdom uh, several times through the book of 1 Corinthians. Uh, that's one of Paul's major themes in the book. And so what is wisdom? Now, I've kind of given this overarching kind of definition. Wisdom is, is applied knowledge. So like Miss Sue was talking about earlier, it's not just head knowledge. We can have a great bit of head knowledge, but not know how to apply it to life. Uh, J.I. Packer, he gives a, a more in-depth, a more precise definition of wisdom. J.L. Packer says that wisdom is the power to see and the inclination to choose the best and highest goal together with the surest means of attaining it. Let me read that again. Wisdom is the power to see, the ability to see it, perceive it, and the inclination to choose the best And the highest goal together with the surest means of attaining it. Now, notice he didn't say it's the most convenient goal. It's not the most convenient, nor is it the most desirable goal always. But it is seeking the best and highest goal. Being able to understand what the best and highest goal is and pursuing the best and highest goal. That's what true wisdom is. That's what godly wisdom is. And so we should desire wisdom. God's wisdom. But how do we gain that wisdom? How do we gain godly wisdom, true wisdom Well, today in our passage, we're going to see three imperatives of true wisdom, three imperatives of true wisdom. And we're going to see this conclusion here, this final uh, overarching principle, true wisdom ultimately is found in Christ. True wisdom is ultimately found in Christ. And hopefully, hopefully today that we can learn how to gain true wisdom from our text. Now, just to remind you before we read this text and remind you that uh, there is division here in Corinth, and that's really what Paul is addressing, especially in this first part of of the letter. There's division due to uh, factionism. They're breaking up over, I follow Paul, I follow Apollos, I follow Cephas. And and the, the Corinthians believe that this is an issue over wisdom, It's wise to follow a teacher. This was kind of the way of the culture. You would find your teacher, the the person that you wanted to follow, you wanted to learn from, and you would kind of sit at the feet of that one teacher and you would say, I follow him. Uh, He's my man. And so in their eyes, they're just following the cultural norm. And so they're, they're pursuing wisdom, but they're pursuing wisdom man's way instead of pursuing wisdom God's way. And so Paul is trying to direct their thoughts, to direct their attention to pursuing, God, uh, pursuing wisdom God's way. So we're going to see that today. If you found your place in the text there, uh, please stand with me in reverence to the, to the reading of God's holy word. First Corinthians chapter three, starting in verse 18. Hear the word of the Lord. Let no one deceive himself. If anyone among you thinks that he is wise in this age, let him become a fool, that he may become wise. For the wisdom of the world is folly with God. For it is written, he catches the wise in their craftiness. And again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise, that they are futile. So let no one boast in men. For all things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or the present or the future. All are yours and you are Christ and Christ is God. Amen. May the Lord add blessings to the reading of his holy, inspired and inerrant word. And may he write its eternal truth on all our hearts. And you may be seated. So as we consider our text this morning, the first imperative of true wisdom is this. Practice honest self-reflection. You've got to practice honest self-reflection. Notice the very first sentence there. Let no one deceive himself. Let no one deceive himself. Now we are masters of self-deception. We can talk ourselves into just about anything. Uh, we see something that we want, and we begin to imagine how good that thing is for us. I remember several years ago, I bought a dirt bike. Now this was a mean dirt bike. It was a 250, uh, two-stroke dirt bike. I mean, it <laughs> flew. Uh, and and I, ta- I thought just how good this bike is gonna be for me. You know? It gets me out with the, with the guys, and we can go have fun, and we can do all this stuff. Th- I about killed myself on that motorcycle. I ended up injuring myself. Uh, At least I had three big wrecks on that thing. And the last time I think I about put my my leg over the top of my head and I thought, I'm done. I'm done. This is not what I had in mind. This is not good for me. But I thought at the time when I bought it, uh, this is good for me. And we make those kinds of decisions all the time. We deceive ourselves. And Paul says that's what the people in Corinth are doing. They're they're deceiving themselves. So he's telling this this command, this imperative, do not deceive yourself. Do not deceive yourself. You you think what you're doing is right and good. You have it built up in your mind as such, but you're deceiving yourself. We are the masters of self-deception. Not only that, but we're also masters of passing the buck, too, aren't we? Uh, when we, we do something, when we make a mistake, well, we always want to pass all the buck along. Oh, well, it's not my fault, it's their fault. And, and that's the way our society works today. Oh, it, it, blame mama, blame daddy, blame your grandparents, blame society. But you're not at fault. I mean, they teach this actually in prison today. It's not the criminal's fault that they broke the crime. It's society's fault, right? We hear this on TV. That's the mindset of the culture. And that's what Paul is emphasizing here. Let no one deceive himself. It's your fault. You're falling into this. It's your problem. It's not someone else's problem. It's you. And we need to really understand that we're the problem we got to evaluate ourselves, honestly evaluate ourselves and not pass the buck, but understand that it's us. we got to work on us. we got to tend to us. Adam was the very first one who demonstrated both of this, this, uh, this self, self-deception and passing the buck. And when uh, Satan approached Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden and said, hey, look, did God say? Well, yeah, God said that when we eat of this fruit, we're going to die. Oh, he didn't really mean that. You're not really going to die. What God doesn't really want you to know is that when today that you eat of it, you're going to be like God. And Adam deceived himself. Oh, man, it'd be nice to be like God. It'd be really nice to be like God. This was this is what's good for me. He deceived himself. And then when he sinned and God approached him and confronted him of his sin, what did he say? He passed the buck. Well, Lord, this woman that you gave me, God, she gave me the fruit and I ate of it. You see, he passed the buck first to his wife. It's Eve's fault. But ultimately, God, it's your fault because you gave her to me. We're great at that. We're great at self-deception. We're great at at passing the buck. But we have to be real with ourselves. We have to engage honest self-reflection. We've got to see ourselves as sinners. We have to see ourselves as incapable of true wisdom. We need help, right? we got to approach the world with, with fresh eyes, with eyes, of, with eyes of the Lord helping us. we got to practice honest self-reflection. So honest self-reflection is imperative, is the first imperative to true wisdom. Second, The second imperative of of true wisdom, godly wisdom, is to admit your own ignorance. Admit your own ignorance. Oh, this is a big one. Admit your own ignorance. Look what he says there in the text. Well, actually, uh, when we think about this, this admit your own ignorance. Now, Paul is reflecting a a well-known axiom of his day. All right. The Greek philosopher Socrates He once said the only true wisdom is in knowing that, you know, nothing. The only true wisdom is knowing that, you know, nothing. Now, these Corinthians, they would have known Socrates and his teaching on this. And Paul is kind of just kind of pressing this common axiom right back into their face. And and he's trying to address that uh, they're not seeing their own ignorance. You see, you need to recognize the limits of your knowledge. We must recognize the limit of our own knowledge. Uh, going on there in verse 18, notice what he says. If anyone among you thinks that he is wise in this age, let him become a fool that he may become wise. Admit your own ignorance. You think you're a smart aleck. You think you know it all. But admit your own ignorance. You know, very little, you know, a know it all. You can't teach a know it all anything. Have you ever known a know it all? Someone that they, they just know it. Right. You can't tell them anything. They just you, you start telling them a, a topic or you talk, talk, talking about something. And maybe you're an expert in that subject, but they know more than you do. I've experienced that because I've had a lot of people tell me how to preach, right? Uh, uh, People like to tell you uh, what to do. Uh, People think they know everything about everything. There are people who just know it all and you can't tell them anything, not a thing. But you can't gain knowledge when you're a know-it-all. You can't gain knowledge when you know it all. You're never going to listen to sound instruction, even God's word, Even God's word will not teach you something if you know it all. You cannot teach a know-it-all anything. You have to recognize your own limits, the the limits to your own knowledge. Uh, We don't know it all. There's so much that we don't know. In fact, you go ask a, a doctor or a nurse who studied the human body and ask them how much we don't understand about this human body. I mean, we know a lot about it today. I mean, uh, they can do a lot of things to, to this body. I mean, we've had people in here who've had uh, valve replacements and bypasses and all of these things, and, and now you're, you're good and you're, you're living and you're, you're doing well because of modern medicine, but still yet there's so much that we don't know about this body. So not only do, must we r- recognize our own limited knowledge, we've got to recognize the limited knowledge of man in general. Across the board, as a human race, we know very little about this universe in which we live. We only know what God has revealed to us, what he has allowed us to understand. We have to realize our own limitations when it comes to knowledge. I want to show you just how, how limited man's not wisdom is, human wisdom. I mean, that's what we're talking about human wisdom. How limited is human wisdom? Well, last week we talked about uh, the sanctity of human life, so this illustration should fit right in there. You remember Kermit Gosnell? He, he was in the news quite a, a few years back. He was a, a, an abortionist who was actually convicted of murder for three infants that he killed during an abortion procedure, all right? So he killed these babies during an abortion procedure. Now, the reason he was charged with murder was because he delivered the babies and then killed them. So this is human wisdom for you. This is human wisdom. Had he murdered the babies, had he killed the babies in the womb, he he would not have been charged with murder. He would have been fully legal in his rights to kill those babies. But human wisdom says because he delivered them, fully delivered them, even had they just partially come out, he still could have killed them and would have been legal, not charged with any crime. But because he fully delivered them, then murdered them, he was charged with murder. That's human wisdom. It makes absolutely no sense to my mind, but that's human wisdom. You see, we've got to be careful with human wisdom. The wisdom of this world will lead us astray. It goes down some weird avenues to get away from God. You've got to be careful of worldly wisdom. You've got to be careful of worldly wisdom, You've got to be careful of your own limitations. Acknowledge, admit your own ignorance. If you want to pursue wisdom, if you want to become wise in life, admit your own ignorance. So, we admit our own ignorance. In order to gain true wisdom, we must practice uh, honest self reflection. You must admit your own ignorance. And third, you must boast in Christ alone. You must boast in Christ alone. Going on down there to verse 21. Notice what he says there. So let no one boast in men for all things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or the present or the future. All are yours and you are Christ's and Christ is God's. Now, notice what he says there. So, let no one boast in men. Now, he's he's giving the negative in, in this this passage. Let no one boast in men. Uh, earlier, he gave the positive form of this principle over in chapter one, verse twenty-nine, and th- or excuse me, thirty and thirty-one. Look right over just a couple of pages there. And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus. That is because of God, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption. So that as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. So there's the positive form of that imperative. Let the one boast who boasts, boast in the Lord. So boast in the Lord alone, boast in Christ alone. Uh, Notice what he says here, why why he gives this. Here's why. right? Boast in Christ alone because all things are yours. All things are yours. All things, as, as followers of Jesus Christ, all things are yours. Everything is yours. And then what does he say? All things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or your life or death or the present or the future. All are yours. And you are Christ and Christ is is god's so everything is yours and you are christ's you are christ's everything is yours everything belongs to you so here are these christians in Corinth. they're 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 touting their their right i follow paul i follow cephas i follow apollos i follow this person i'm under him He's my man. And Paul says, why are you doing that? Why are you doing that? All are yours. Paul is yours. Peter is yours. Apollos is yours. These are all people whom God has put before you to minister to you, to give you wisdom in God's word. But you're saying, I follow Paul. I'm going to limit myself to Paul. I'm not going to give any credence to what Apollo says. I'm not going to give any credence to what anybody else says. I follow Paul. I'm going to limit myself to him. It would be kind of like this. Now, think about this. I'm just going to use some some pastors from the church. Church's past for an example here. No, say uh, someone here says, I follow Brother Mack. Right? I follow Brother Mac, and I, I just love Brother Mac. He was a great guy, and I just remember his teaching. I've got all the notes from his years of sermons here. I'm going to follow him. I don't care what Jim or Richard ever had to say. I, I just remember Brother Mac, right? And then you have someone, well, I follow Jim. Jim was my man, and, and, and I just follow him, and I want to I just take everything that he has to say, and, and, uh, and, and he's my man. Or you might have somebody say, well, I follow Richard. I really like the way Richard teaches and preaches and and I follow him. Well, how foolish would that be? How foolish would that be? Because God used Brother Mac in a certain way at a particular time uh, to minister to the church, to pour out wisdom, the wisdom of God's word upon this church, to lead this church in a, a great and wonderful way. When Brother Jim was here, God used him in a wonderful way to pour out wisdom, to lead the church and and to, to give wisdom so that you might gain wisdom through him. And now I'm here and God's using me. I pray that he is using me to pour out wisdom upon the church. So why would you limit yourself to one person's ministry to gain wisdom from God? All is yours. All is yours. Whatever avenue, whatever ministry God puts in your life to pour into you wisdom, use it. Use it for for gain, for your benefit in the kingdom. Absorb that wisdom, however, whatever, through whatever ministry God puts before you. Take it. Use it. Don't limit yourself. The world says limit yourself, but God says, don't limit yourself yourself. Remember what Paul said a few weeks back? I planted, right? Paul was the one who planted. He came and preached the gospel for the first time in Corinth. Apollos watered. He did his part. And God gave the growth. Other people before me, they planted. And I'm watering. And I'm watering. And I'm watering. And I'm praying that God will give the growth, that you would grow in wisdom Not through my ministry, but through the ministry that God has in you. To give to you so that you might gain wisdom. Don't limit yourself. But take every opportunity. All is yours. It belongs to you. And how does it belong to you? It belongs to you because you are Christ. You are Christ. Romans 8, uh, uh, 16 and 17 says it like this. The spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. God has seated us in heavenly places in Christ. We are with Christ. We are in Christ. Everything that that belongs to Christ belongs to us because we are fellow heirs with Christ. Scripture teaches us. So life, death, the present age, the future age, it's all ours as we are in Christ. But Christ is the main thing. Christ is the one who gives us wisdom. Christ is the one through whom all of God's blessings flow. It's in Christ and Christ alone. So we don't boast in a person. We don't boast in a man. I'm thankful for those who say, hey, great job. I love that sermon this morning. That's great and lovely and wonderful. But dear friend, I I, I don't care. Don't boast in me. Whatever good and and great that I say from this pulpit is from God. It's his. He gives me the power to preach. He gives me the power to teach. It's his glory alone. I don't care if 10 years from now, anybody in Bastrop remembers the name Richard Gamble. I don't. If God takes me away from here and nobody remembers my name, I don't care. What I care is that God's word goes out and God's word is remembered and Christ is remembered. If Christ is remembered, that's all that matters. We boast in Christ alone. He is our wisdom and our salvation. I love this. Proverbs chapter two, verse six. For the Lord gives wisdom from his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. Notice, uh, let me say that again. From the Lord, for the Lord, excuse me, for the Lord gives wisdom. The Lord gives wisdom, not man. Not man. The Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. These three imperatives of true wisdom practice honest self-reflection Admit your own ignorance and boast in Christ alone leads to this one and great conclusion. True wisdom is found in Christ and in Christ alone. True wisdom is found in Christ and in Christ alone. True wisdom is in trusting in Jesus Christ. Trusting that he died on the cross for your sins. That you are a sinner as he says you are. That you have no right to stand before God on your own two feet. That because of your sin, you're you are bound to hell. But that he graciously and lovingly came and died on the cross, taking the wrath of God for your sins in your place. Do you trust in Jesus? Have you given your life to him? True wisdom is trusting that Christ died for your sins, trusting that he knows what is best for your life. Trusting that he knows what's best for your life. Not your mama, not your daddy, not even you, dear friend. Know what's best for your life, but Jesus knows what's best. Trust that he is the source of divine knowledge and wisdom. True wisdom is in following Christ. Following his example for your life and following his leadership in your life. Are you looking to him to give you direction day after day? When you have that big decision to make about what school to go to, you teenagers, or or what to invest in even, or what doctor to go to, are you seeking his wisdom? Trust him and seek his wisdom. Follow his leadership in your life. And true wisdom is in obeying Christ listening to him and following his word when he says thus saith the lord that's him saying this is this is what you do obey him jesus says if you love me you will keep my commandments if you're a follower of jesus christ you're not just saying that with words oh i believe in jesus oh i'm going to go to church i'm going to do all these things true faith It's trusting that Jesus got your best interest in heart. True faith is saying, I obey. I obey the best I can. I'm going to obey his word. I'm going to follow his word. Even when it leads to a a, a not so desirable conclusion for me, I'm going to follow his word. Even when I want to do something else, I'm going to follow his word. I'm going to obey him because he loves me. He loves me. He's got my best interest in heart. Pursue the highest and best goal. Pursue the wisdom of God. Pursue Jesus Christ, dear friend. Oh, Heavenly Father. Lord, we thank you that even in our ignorance, Lord, you came and you sought us. And, Lord, you pursued us with a love greater than anyone could ever imagine by sending your son Jesus to die for us so that we might have life in him. Oh, Lord, let us let us see our own ignorance. Lord, we make some bad decisions in our life thinking it's what's best for us. But, Lord, if we would just pursue you and follow your will for our lives, how much better life would be. Oh, Lord, let us pursue you today. Let us surrender to your will. Let us pursue true wisdom, divine wisdom in you. Oh, Lord, certainly there are those today in this place who have never trusted you, never sought wisdom from God because they've never sought Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray today that you would touch their heart. Lord, transform their heart. Give their heart life today so that they may see Jesus and trust in him today. This I pray in Christ's name, amen.